DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code TBPN during sign-up. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code TBPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot of millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code TBPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 621. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein and former Project Spurs writer Trevor Zickraff. In this episode, Ben, Trevor, and I will discuss the draft as it approaches Thursday in the coming week. Let's go ahead and get started. Ben, how are you doing? I am great, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. And Ben, we have a, we have a guest here. He's been on the Spurs Cast in the past with us, uh, Trevor Zickraff. Welcome back. How have you been? Fellas, it's like, uh, it's like riding a bike. It's <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. So yeah, so sportscast listeners, you know, this is our our, our pre-draft podcast. We really want to get uh, two two guys, uh, Ben and Trevor, who really know the draft very well uh, for for years. You know, they, they were, you know Trevor used to write with us at Project Spurs, and he went over to, to um, Forty Eight Minutes of Hell. And then of course we have Ben here as our draft expert with Project Spurs. So I really wanted to get their their insight on a lot of these picks. Um, you know, a week it, going into this actual week of the draft. But before we do that, guys, let's go ahead and jump first into the latest news and rumors concerning the Spurs. Um, this is more so for Keldon Johnson, Coach Pop. Um, they did fall in their first. Uh, game um for team usa against france in that olympic olympic opener of group play they lost this morning uh you and i we are all recording this on a sunday at two o'clock uh they lost 83 76 in a close game they had multiple chances to to take the lead late but they couldn't hit any open shots uh kelton johnson did play in two quarters just nine minutes um he he grabbed a rebound he had an assist and he had one foul and again he just played in the first and third quarter um the u.s still has um iran on the schedule and then czech republic uh in group play and then all they really need to do is finish first or second in group play to get you know, to, to move on in the tournament to try to get, you know, a medal. Uh, if they do get third, it, they can stay, still have a chance of moving on, but it's really tough if they get in that position. Did either of you have any comments about Team USA losing this morning? Uh, go ahead, Trevor. Oh, I was just saying, I caught the second half, and so I saw France make their run, and then the U.S. come back and make their run. And um, I don't know, I thought, I thought there was just some late game execution stuff that they need to figure out. And yeah. I think they've all talked about needing to figure that out, but I didn't, you know, like watching drew holiday do drew holiday things was, was pretty great. And I think that's exactly what they needed on the perimeter. Um, and, you know, Durant and Lillard were both pretty bad. So was Zach Levine. So I just feel like if even one of those guys had played at, up to expectations, then, you know, they're in good shape. I think, I mean, it's not going to be an easy road, but I, I would still say they're the medal, the gold medal favorites. Yeah, for sure. Uh, ben, what, did you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they had a loss like this coming. They, uh, I've, I've thought for a long time that 
the USA basketball doesn't put together teams that mesh well. They put together a bunch of disparate individuals and hope that it works out. And uh, we're seeing that you can no longer get away with that, not only because these other countries have been playing together for so long, but now they're incorporating other NBA players, you know, other NBA caliber players. So it's not just, ah, it's just, you know, 12 dudes from whatever country. It's, oh, okay, they have three or four NBA guys. They're legit. You have to take them seriously, and you can't you can't walk into every game assuming you're going to blow people out. And uh, the, the biggest issue they've seen so far is that they've been unable to make shots. Yeah. So, you know, that's that to me is the biggest problem. If, you, if you're going to come around here and you're just going to jack up threes and you're not hitting them, you're going to lose a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you could just see the lack of cohesion, just not knowing each other. I mean, they had three new players, brand new, who hadn't even played with them. And Chris, I mean, and uh, and, and Chris Middleton, uh, Devin Booker, and then also uh, Drew Holiday, who which Holiday actually had a really good performance. But I mean, there was just you know some late game execution things on offense, but then also on defense, you know, just backdoor cuts that they missed. And again, it comes back to the fact that you know if, if they're not hitting shots as well, that doesn't that, that they're, they're really you know don't have a, a lot of room for error here. And so we saw that you know again they still have a chance to to, to move on into the um, to, toward the medal rounds if they can uh, you know get, get go. Two and zero in these last two games against Iran and the Czech Republic. All right, let's go on to a, to a rumor that's been going on this week, and there was just even more details just today. Uh, this is mutual interest between the Demar Derozan and the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, so earlier this week, um, Broderick Turner of the Los Angeles Times reported that Demar Derozan, Kyle Lowry, and Spencer Dinwiddie um, all have interest in joining the Lakers. Now I don't know if that's all together or you know just one player specifically because it's really tough to, to sign all, all those players or even two of those players. And then now um, Sham Sarania, um, you know, basically verified this on Sunday though. He he basically, there's mutual interest because now the Lakers actually do have um, uh, interest in those three players as well. So again, just focusing on DeRozan here because he is a Spurs free agent, uh, we can say that um, you know Turner did say that um, report that that DeRozan would be willing to take less than he, what he basically had this past season, which was 27.7 million. He's expected to get a contract in the in the range of like 25 to like 30 million would be his um, projection. So again, he, he's willing to take a pay cut, but they, they don't actually say how much of a pay cut he's willing to take because because the, the three options for the Lakers and DeRozan, if they wanted to, to work on a deal together, would be the MLE, which would be just $9.5 million. I, I don't think DeRozan would take that. Uh, the Lakers can see if the Spurs would be willing to work on a sign-and-trade. Well, then that gets interesting. Maybe Kyle Kuzma in the 22nd pick um, for DeRozan. And then the last one would be, for this is the hardest one, which would be the Lakers You know, just trying to open up cap space, which means basically trading everyone but Le- LeBron and Anthony Davis, and that's really tough to do without taking back salary. So um, let's start off with Ben here. Ben, did you have any thoughts about this, um, this, this report of uh, DeRozan and the Lakers having interest? Yeah, I too have an interest in joining the Lakers. Uh, both both our chances, well, there his chances are probably a little more realistic than mine. But uh, it's like you said, they just don't have the space. And mm-hmm. if you really want to go out and you want to get a 30-plus-year-old DeMar DeRozan who doesn't really space the floor for you and you want to give up a Kyle Kuzma in the 22nd pick to the Spurs to help you facilitate things, sure, by all means, go ahead. Because the Spurs aren't going to, I mean, they're probably going to try and re-sign DeMar DeRozan, but they're also not going to be terribly torn up if he ends up going somewhere else. And if they do a sign-and-trade where they they get capital or they get something out of it, more power to them. Okay. Trevor, did you have any thoughts there? Just, um, I mean, actually, and one thing, Paul, I think, I don't know exactly what their books look like, but I think we're even talking about the taxpayer mid-level with the Lakers. I mean, I don't... Yeah, no, no, it could be, I, yeah, which is like five I, mean, I, know they, I know they have like Schroeder and Caruso, and I mm-hmm. mean, they've got a lot of cap holds, so I don't know 
I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if they could get to, like what they would have to do to get to the the standard MLE. Yeah, and the taxpayer MLE is five point eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the max of a three year contract at eighteen point five. So it's like I really don't think DeRozan or Kyle Lowry, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. they would really have to. I mean, <laughs> are they going to rock paper scissors for the, who's who's taking the contract? And <laughs> you know, I would I would do if I were the just from a Spurs perspective, if DeRozan's camp came to the Spurs or the Lakers came to the Spurs and said, what would it take? I mean, I think you definitely would want KCP's expiring because then you're, you're either you keep him because he's a good shooter and he's a good defender and he's, you know, he doesn't need the ball a lot or you're flipping him to a contender and maybe you're getting an extra asset out of it. Yeah. Maybe I'm taking Kuzma back. He's got two more, three years left on his contract. Yeah, three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's terrible. I mean, I think like basically like the, like Kyle, when Kyle Kuzma's bad, he's really bad. And since he's on the mm-hmm. Lakers, like everything just gets like magnified. I think he's pretty solid. He's a good defender. Um, it's not the worst deal. But I would also just, in knowing that they're desperate, and I think Woj said that they've offered that PCP yes. <laughs> Kyle Kuzma deal to everybody. I would, I would ask for at least for at least one pick, probably two, to help facilitate. Yep. But I do think Tamar would be good on the Lakers just because. Uh-huh. He's a third. Like he's he's so reliable, you know. Like that guy never misses time unless he absolutely has to. Yeah. And that's I think that more than anything is what they need. Like so, LeBron and AD can get rest. I don't know what it looks like in a half court setting in the playoffs, but I don't I don't hate the fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and he'd be going home, which is another big thing yes. for him, I'm sure. But if you can if you can swindle fleece the Lakers a little bit out of out of an extra pick or two, I think that's fantastic. Not to mention uh Kyle Kuzma is another front court player that the Spurs could use. They just do not have front court guys. So I think you're still filling a need there too. You're not just taking on a guy for the sake of doing so. Yep. yep. Yeah, I, I think totally yeah, I think if you can get the twenty second pick out of that, you know, whoever they, they draft and then plus Kuzma, I think that's a good, you know, good deal for the Spurs if you are gonna lose DeRozan, you know, if that's kind of the, so that's something to look at again. And also just seeing whatever DeRozan would sign for is really tough too, because then it remember any sign and trade hard caps the Lakers for the rest of the next season, which that's right. very tough. So so yeah, so yeah, we'll I mean, see. I'd love to see it. Yeah, so, if so tomorrow we'll would take like a like a two year forty million dollar deal, so twenty million dollars a year, then you're even talking about like you could just say give me KCP a pick and then Marcus Saul's expiring contract. Then you I mean basically like if you can if you can keep Keep your books relatively clean and help yeah. and get assets and help Demar be happy. Like that just seems like a, a win all the way around. But yeah, it just, I think it just depends on what Demar wants from a contract perspective. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That's kind of that's a kind of like you know they're saying he's willing to take a pay cut, but they don't exactly tell us how much of a pay cut. Because again, I don't think a, a mid level exception type of deal is, is enough for him. Um, let me just see here, KCP. Yeah, thirteen million. So him and uh, Kuzma are on the same. So yeah, either way, if the Spurs took one of those players, Kuzma or KCP, in the pick, they could still have enough to offer John Collins a a, a, a max offer sheet if they needed to at twenty eight million dollars. So so again, I think the Spurs have such open books that they can you know, look at this uh, type of scenario if that's if that's in play. If DeRozan is serious about going to the Lakers. So again, we'll kind of see, you know, this is really going to heat up in this next coming week with them, with, with the draft coming. Then of course, free agency uh, coming right after that at the following week. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and uh, begin now with our, with our, with our mega draft um, preview here. We're going to go ahead and look at the final project Spurs draft board update, you know, as of, as of today, Sunday, uh, July 25th, um, um, you know, so, some mocks will update over the, over the week, but in terms of being on Spurs cast, this will be the last time we talk about these projections. So let's first focus on the first round. So what I have here is we have some, some players who are currently, um, you know, on different mocks that are, that are going to 12 to the Spurs. 
And then I also have their average on our on our Project Spurs draft board where they're you know average um, draft selection for these players. So let's begin with our first player, who is a player we've mentioned here on the Spurs cast in the past, um, Moses Moody, 6'6 player out of Arkansas. Uh, he is perfectly average to go to 12 to the Spurs right now. Um, so let's begin with uh, with Trevor. What are your thoughts on Moses Moody? Um, he's fine. I, I mean, he's good. I, I just think from a from a Spurs perspective, like it's just I don't know how many more like average to below average shot creators like they can take. And I think I get big Devin Vassell vibes from Moses Moody as far as a player archetype, which like it doesn't. It's not bad to have guys mm-hmm. like that, um, but I also don't think he is. Like if he develops into Chris Middleton, which is also like what I see a like a good archetype for Devin Sell to try to like I just think that takes a lot of work and mm, it's not yeah. as easy as oh we'll just teach him how to pass or just teach him how to how to make more but like it's harder than we think um, but he can shoot he can defend and so those are never bad players to any has length so those are never bad players to have. So, so if they took him twelve, you you say that's a fine pick, you know, for I would be. It would, it was, it would, uh, actually, my reaction would be exactly how it was with the cell. I'm sure there would be somebody who went behind them, Halliburton last year, that I would be like, oh, I wish we had gotten that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also would. It wouldn't take more than five minutes for me to talk myself into the pick. Okay, Ben, what what is your um your thoughts on on if if they took Moody at twelve? A very similar feeling. Um, okay. It's it's a fine pick. It's not a pick that should upset anybody by any means. Nope. It's not it's not a reach. It's also not a swing for the fences. It's very much, all right, we know what this guy's about. Maybe if we develop a couple more skills of his, he turns into something more. But for the most part, three and D guy, very good on the D, very, very solid with the threes. We're good to go. Kind of you can plug and play a little bit. Um, you know, then that's dependent on the free agent situation, of course. Okay. So, so yeah, so that's Moses Moody again. Well, he's perfectly right now. Um, you know, on the average selection to go 12th, let's go to another player who, who's, you know, we discussed here on the Spurs cast, uh, Ben's kind of uh, given us a lot of background on him and this is Jalen Johnson, six, nine, uh, big out of Duke right now, you know, some mocks have him at 12th, but he's, he's on average uh, supposed to go 15th. Uh, Ben, let's start off with you on the, on uh, Jalen Johnson. What would be your thoughts if the Spurs took him at 12? I feel, I feel like the more I read, the more Jalen Johnson becomes a home run pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, what you and I have discussed is a lot of the off court red mm-hmm. flags. Uh, we and, and really there's not a whole lot, you know, about what he does on the court. You know, he's great in transition. Uh, you can't really buy stock in his shot right now. He only, he didn't take that many threes and, mm-hmm. you know, to hit 60 or whatever percent it was is insane. It's incredibly small sample size theater, which you, you can't be watching. Um, but again, a six, nine long guy, front court player who fits, who fits needs that you have. So it's, uh, I wouldn't be terribly excited about the pick, but I would be very understanding in that. Okay. The Spurs are kind of taking a risk here. They're, you know, the, more of a risk at 12 than, probably they've done in the past okay uh trevor what would your thoughts be there if the spurs took jalen johnson at 12 so i would initially like my initial just reactions pass like i'm just okay. i'm not i'm not about it but you know ben's right like there's there's a lot of raw raw materials there that that um that you really like i just don't know like i also just don't know like with the spurs as they're currently constructed let's just even take tomorrow the picture but just like um, with DeJounte as your point guard and Jakob Pertl as your center and 
um, you know, uh, let's say Keldon as your small forward. Like those are three guys who don't space the floor. And Mm -hmm. if those are, if that's like a long-term core that you're going to have, unless you're teaching Jalen Johnson to shoot, which not great. Like the mechanics just aren't great. Like, I just don't see that fit, especially in the half court. But I know I, I recognize that he's an open court beast and a good facilitator. So, like, it's almost like if Jalen Johnson is a home run pick and then in a year, like, you think you're going to start building around him, then I think that makes more sense than let's just get the guy who even, you know, taking upside into account is going to fit in with everybody else that we have. Like, I don't, I don't know that he's that guy. And also, like, you know um, – I, I try not to like he's 19 so I try not to take all the attitude stuff into account but it's like I don't know like how is this guy going to deal with if he gets if he has to go to Austin for half a season how's he going to deal with 10 minutes per game as a rookie yep. and yeah like I just I don't like I just don't know like he doesn't seem like a guy that if the situation isn't right that he adapts to it he, he just kind of seems like he's more content removing himself with from that situation which isn't a bad like I don't think that's that's not necessarily bad but also I don't think that's really going to fit with what the Spurs do. But again, he's 19. So I'm trying to like, <laughs> trying to not take that stuff into account, but you have to, when you're picking 12, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's, I think that's why we, we've seen him kind of slip on draft boards just because I think a lot of teams are, you know, they, they know that this is like you guys have both said, y'all both mentioned the word risky. This is a bit of a risky pick because if he doesn't hit as a home run or like start developing early, I mean, and some of those off court issues do come out. I mean, it, it does, it does look bad for the GM to draft him. All right, let's move on to another player. Um, we have another big man here, Kai Jones, six eleven out of Texas. Um, you know, on average draft selection, he's, he's projected to go 16th. Uh, Trevor, how would you feel if the Spurs took him at 12th? So this is why, in the sense that, and I, I've been I've been tweeting about this for a while. Um, I would like to, I think the Spurs have enough guys who have, you know, like high level role player mm-hmm. potential as their upside. So this guy is like my like all right, let's just swing for the fences. You can afford, you know, if it's coming down to get a guy who's going to be a good role player and just fit in somewhere, or just like let's just let's just trust our development system and just take a home runs. This is I love Kai Jones. Um, yes. I think the fact that he didn't really start playing organized uh, basketball until he was like fourteen or fifteen. I actually think like I think that's a plus because yes, he's twenty, but just in terms of like learning the game, you still have so much more room to grow. And I I think that this is a guy. You know, I I think it was uh, Jeff Garcia, our friend Jeff Garcia, mm-hmm. um, was on a Zoom and said that Kai told him that he spent multiple days in San Antonio. I don't think that's I, I don't think that's like I think I think those are things that you should read into in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I love the potential. I think he's you know like I don't know how you can see and I hate doing the Giannis comparison, but like I just don't know how you can see what these super athletic big men and let's put DeAndre Ayton in the mix as well or. I don't know how you could see them in the playoffs and not think, oh, we should stay away from those types of guys, especially if, exactly. they're, if they're good kids. Exactly. Okay. Thank so, you. So, Ben, what would your thoughts be there uh, if, if the Spurs took Kai Jones at 12? You will, you will find that Trevor and I think very similarly. Uh, but, yes, I also think that Kai Jones is that home run swing. If you're going to take it, that's the guy you take it on. And I, the, the more I, I hate reading more and more stuff about all the potential guys at 12 because I always feel like John Hollinger is just a very angry man who 
doesn't <laughs> like who doesn't like any prospects ever. So he's always finding things wrong with other guys, and then everybody else is kind of middle of the road, and they're just like, yeah, Kai Jones would be fine. He would be, you know, he would be good at twelve. Yeah, he would be a bit of a home run swing, but he has all these nice things going for him. And they they mention, you know, yeah, he's got to work on. You know, he's got to work on his shooting, being more consistent, whatever. Whereas John Hollinger's like, he'll never be consistent. He'll never be able to shoot. It's like, I need you to relax, man. Um, but I guess I would be angry if I worked for the Memphis Grizzlies for that long, too. Um, but, yeah, I like Kai Jones a lot. Like Trevor said, big man, super athletic, really gets up and down the floor, runs like a gazelle. I think the shooting is there. He has the beginnings of good mechanics, and that can be worked on. And, again trust your development staff and trust that you get him where you want him to be. I also think that like, um, you know, if I were like, um, I live in Sacramento. Um, if I were the Kings, you know, I would understand that fan base being wary of taking a guy who needs a lot of work because the, I mean, it's a new front office every three or four years. It's a new guy. I, I would be, I think they really have to make the playoffs for, for Luke Walton to make it through this year. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So it's it's always a new coaching staff. Their development system is it's not great. Um, I think the over the the turnover in the front office and on the coaching staff is is helps uh, exasperate that. Um, so if I'm the Kings, I'd be nervous as hell about taking Kai Jones. If I'm uh, trying to look at another team in this range, that I mean, like uh, we don't the know Hornets really for them. Yeah, like I don't, you know, like these teams that don't like. Let's say he falls to fifteen in the Wizards. The Wizards do not have a great track record for for developing younger guys. Like, I understand why why teams would be like that's a stay away. But if I'm the Spurs and I I believe in our developmental system and our coaching staff, then yeah, that's like that's do that's it. a for me. Okay, okay, so interesting. Yeah, both like uh, Kai Jones, if they, if they make again, that would be like four picks before than what he's supposed to go. But again, you know, y'all you, both agree that that'd be a good pick. I mean, Are crazier they, things have happened in drafts. Yeah. Next player is uh, Usman Garuba, six eight player out of um, Real Madrid, Spain. Uh, he just played with the national team recently uh, in their in their exhibition game against uh, Team USA, and so I actually got to watch him in that game. Um, you know, against USA again, he just came off the bench, played a few minutes here and there. Uh, one thing you see is the physicality. You see the size there that I mean, he matches up well with NBA players already. He basically has like that NBA type body. Uh, he's a very very raw player, you know, just does more of the hustle kind of plays um, on defense specifically. He's a good defender. It uh, doesn't really give you much on offense. Uh, right now, though, it, this would be like a stretch if the Spurs took him because he's, he's projected to go about 19th. Uh, let's start off with Ben on Garuba. What, what would be your thoughts be if the Spurs took him 12th? Uh, I would be a little wary. I mean, he is absolutely a guy you can put in right now, and he's going to be able to defend just about anybody mm-hmm. in the NBA that you want him to, you know, at, you know, from like three, four, five position probably. Um, but his offensive game is raw. It is hard to watch. It is almost non-existent. Uh, some people are really high on him developing a shot. I don't know if I'm there. But this this is going to come down to, I think if the Spurs end up selecting him, they're saying, we're going to focus on our defense right now first and we'll worry about offense later, which Personally, I think that's the wrong move. I think they should be focusing on, you know, how can we get guys in here who can contribute on offense? For me, it's preferably guys who can shoot, uh, guys who can hit down, who can knock down shots, maybe create some for themselves. So for me, Usman Garuba is just not the pick. I would pass. Okay, Trevor, what would your thoughts be if they took him at 12? Yeah, similar thoughts. I mean, actually, I really like Garuba. I think the defense is just, I mean... You know, he's he's one of the few that's going to be. He's definitely can switch one through four. He might even be able to switch one through five, depending on who the big is. Like, I mean, Jokic or Embiid's going to put him in the basket, but otherwise, yep. like, 
you know, there, there's plenty of other centers, you know, that's, I can, I can't think of like five guys that he wouldn't do okay against. So I like that. Um, I agree with Ben. The offense is just such a question mark. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I guess what I could see is if he's in a bench rotation with Patty, if he comes back, Lonnie, Vassell, and then whoever the, whoever the five is like, you know, so there's spacing all around and he can just kind of dive to the rim and he's pretty good on the short roll. I can totally see that, but it's just like, yeah, like, is that, is that the extent of it? Like, is he, is he going to develop a jumper? I think, I think I saw, um, you know, draft express and Mike Schmitz have been all over this, but the corner threes have been coming along a little bit this year, uh, with Real Madrid, but it's not like, I don't know, man, like, um, you know, the, the line in the NBA is back just a little, just a touch. Um, mm-hmm. and so do those, do those corner threes just become long twos and I don't know, you know, so yeah, I wouldn't be mad, but at the same time, I probably would question with the current, with the current roster construction. I think I would, I would question, I would question it, but again, like, I don't know what the hell this team's going to look like in two years, three years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So interesting. So, so our next player here, and again, this is probably a player they take only if they were to move a guard like Dejounte Murray or, or Derek White, who we know that they've it's been reported they're you know they've been amongst uh, they're, they're gettable is, is the quote uh, in that last report about Derek and, and Dejounte is Davian uh, Mitchell, six two um, guard out of Baylor. Uh, right now, he's uh, projected to go twelfth. You know, in that perfect, even though he's not on a, on a mock for the Spurs right now, he recently was, and then he's like in that average selection is twelfth perfectly. So Ben, uh, go ahead and start off the conversation around Mitchell. Yeah, I've the more I've read, the more I'm convinced he's not going to last until 12. I feel like there's three, maybe four teams who would pick him um, ahead of the Spurs because they are in much more desperate need of guard play, of good guard play. And this is a guy who's proven that he can defend at that level. He can, he can now shoot. Uh, he's improved his shooting since he got to Baylor and – he, he has those leadership qualities you love to see. I mean, he was a huge reason that Baylor was as successful as they were and why they won the title. So for me, I think it's not a bad pick at 12. I'd actually say it's a pretty good pick at 12, but I'd also say that it's signaling somebody's on the move, if not more than one person. Okay, interesting. Uh, Trevor, what would your thoughts be if, if they took him at 12, if he even falls to 12 and then they took him at 12? Yeah, like if, um, if DeJounte or Derek got moved, then I would – I would be like this. It would just, it just makes, it makes all the sense in the world, especially because like, if you think about, um, you know, like a guy, like I know like Kyle Lowry has been a comp that he's, I think, I think that's a more realistic one, Ben. I don't know about you, like the Donovan Mitchell thing. Like I get it. Like he wears 45. He, he is kind of, he's pretty athletic, but like, it's not that he's not a six wingspan. And that, and I don't think Davion Mitchell is as good a shooter as Donovan Mitchell either. Yeah. So, but like as a Kyle Lowry or, you know, something like that, like just like a guy that does not need the ball to be effective on offense. Um, I totally buy him as that, um, you know, I, I even buy him as a, as a third guard, as a lower upside thing. But yeah, like if you're saying we need to move on from one of our, one of our current guards, whether that's Murray or <clears throat> Derek White or even Lonnie Walker, because mm-hmm. he's extension eligible and yeah. like, I don't know if the Spurs mm-hmm. are going to want to commit whatever Lonnie Walker's going to commit to if they can, if they can get someone uh, on a rookie deal for another four years. But um, I mean, I really like him. I just don't, again, like where, where the heck, where are you finding minutes for him? Like, I just, yeah, I mean, and that's, and he's, he's 22. He's going to be ready to play right away. So just, 
and, and, and especially if it turns out you like Trey Jones and you want to give him yes. minutes too. So um, I would be <laughs> this player would be a fine pick is like a, a rating that Paul sent us, and I think he would be a fine pick. But you would just, yeah, I would be surprised if there wasn't uh, another if that wasn't the start of some dominoes falling. Okay, okay. So yeah, I, I agree with you guys. You know, if, if they if they were to take you know Mitchell, he's there at twelve. I think it's because you know they're they're moving off from one of their guards or or two of their guards maybe. All right, this next player, um, he just came in right at twelfth right now on, on ESPN's latest mock draft. This is Alperin Shengun. I'm glad that I, I listened to a video from Mike Schmitz because uh, I learned man. how to say his name. Yeah, Shengun is been saying it wrong for well all these weeks. Um, so anyway, he's a six nine big uh, out of Besiktas in Turkey. Uh, average draft is, is expected to go thirteenth, but again, uh, ESPN just had him going twelfth recently. Uh, uh, ben, let's go. Uh, actually, let's let Trevor kick off the conversation. Yeah. with uh, Shingun. Uh, I like Shingun. I get um, from what I've watched and I don't want to pretend like I'm a Shingun expert, but like what I've watched, like I do get some good um, Demonis Sabonis vibes from him. Um, mm-hmm. I think like, again, like we're doing Jokic comps and it's like, all right, let's, we just shouldn't <laughs> do, we just, that's just mean to, to these guys. But um, you know, the defense is scary, man. Like I think he's, I think his offense is going to be fine. I think he's a better passer than he's shown. I think he's going to be able to space if he needs to. Um, I mean, just awesome offensively, but um, I don't, he definitely can't play four. And so then you're, you're just, he's, he's, he's rough on defense right now. I don't like, he's, he's an intelligent guy. Like he seems to have good instincts and everything, but like, it's very clear that he has not been taught um, a ton on offense or on defense. And he's a big, he's, he's a young big. So that's not, that's not atypical, but like he also doesn't have this overwhelming athleticism. That makes up for that early. So I just don't. I mean, I, I'm on. I'm. I would be on board with him, but at the same time, like, if he becomes just your backup center, getting 15 minutes a game because he just cannot stay on the court defensively against against uh, first teams units. or for yeah or first teams. Like so, I. That's. I mean, I. I it is not an original thought. The defense scares me. Okay, uh, Ben. What would your thoughts be if uh, if Shangun was selected at 12th by the Spurs? Yeah, the, the defense is atrocious. It's, you know, I get that shooting makes up for a multitude of sins, but I don't know if it makes up for that many sins with, with Shingun. Um, and he's he's not a spacer yet, but he's shown flashes that he can get out there and he will eventually become a spacer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it'll probably be a matter of one, maybe two years, maybe three at the very worst. But yeah, if you if you especially playing for Popovich, if you can't defend anybody and you're going to be a complete liability on that end of the floor, you're just not going to play. Yeah. And you can't you can't spend your 12th pick on a guy who's not going to break the rotation because he's incapable of playing defense on anybody. So to me it's you're really and and your defense the Spurs, if you're the Spurs your defense was already suffering at the rim. I mean, you, Jakob Pearl is a great defensive player, but he is trying to cover up for a lot of deficiencies elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it, and you can't, you probably cannot play Shingun and Pirtle uh, uh, together I, in no, most, you, against most teams. Not at all. So if you're, you you essentially put him out there, and he's kind of on an island with this second string big, the second string center, and I imagine that second unit would get destroyed by a lot of others because they're unable to protect the rim properly. 
Okay, interesting. So yeah, so so those are the players right now currently on um you know different mocks or, or they're they're projected to go twelfth exactly on our, on our Project Spurs draft board. Now let's just look at some players that are kind of in the like tenth through fourteenth range. Uh, so the first player let's let's talk about here is a uh, Josh Giddy, six eight player out of Adelaide, Australia. Um, he's currently almost on every mock. He's supposed to go tenth, but in the event that he fell to twelfth, uh, Ben, what would be your thoughts if he did fall to twelfth and the Spurs took him? That's you're gonna really make the Spurs make a choice. Uh, He's kind of that he's six eight. He's not a great shooter right now, but he does a little bit of everything else. He's a really nice. He's kind of point forwardy. He's a good passer. He can handle the ball well enough to run your offense for you. He can run. He can handle it enough to kind of get his own shot. Um, but he's not an efficient shooter, and the defense is going to be serviceable, which is fine. But to me, I I think I would say my gut would tell me pass on him at twelve. Okay. Trevor, what would your thoughts be there if uh, Adel- uh, Giddy falls to, to 12 and they took him? Um, I really like Giddy. I think, like, at worst, he's running your your second unit. Like, I mean, I'm just imagining, like, you know, the next couple of years, like him, Patty, Lonnie, Vassell, and then, again, pick your pick your backup center, your backup, your backup big, your backup fifth guy, and, like, then you're not putting too much pressure on Lonnie or Patty to, to be anything more than just – like guys, who, guys, guys who spot up, guys who attack, uh, who attack closeouts, stuff like that. Because Giddy's going to be able to, to at least be a second unit uh, ball handler. And if he, um, if he can get his, if he can get his shot working, I think he's he's got he's got more. Like I think I saw he's up to two hundred and twenty pounds now. So if you're six eight, six nine, two twenty, like you can you can bang in the post, and you can. He's a good rebounder for his, you know for his position, which is, I guess he, I mean, he runs point in Australia. I don't think he'd run point just as a, from a traditional sense in the NBA, but I like him. Um, yeah. I think just get the shot working. Um, I wouldn't, I'm, I, again, I don't, I don't, it's like one of those things where I don't know that he totally fits what the Spurs do right now, but there's enough talent there to just kind of figure it out. He gives you some, he would give you some positional flexibility. So that's good. Okay, interesting. Uh, let's go on to n- another player here. Uh, we have Keon Johnson, 6'5", out of Tennessee. Um, he's projected right now to go 13th. Uh, uh, let's start off with Ben here. Ben, what would, what would your th- thoughts be if uh, they took Keon Johnson 13th? Keon Johnson, a fantastic defensive guard. Uh, he's he, he will shut down your any one and two you put against him. Or, he, he you know, maybe not your, your top-tier all-star guys, but still he's a very reliable defender super bouncy i think he just recorded the highest max vertical leap at the combine in its history i think it was like 48 inches so the kid is a superb athlete but the offense is rough he just part of it was he didn't get he didn't really start getting consistent minutes for tennessee until about halfway through the season and and that's also when he became a starter so he had a larger role thrust upon him as well and i don't think he was quite ready for it and it showed at times so for me He's he's a guy you bring in to complement some to to help a Patty Mills out who's going to struggle against uh, guarding a lot of other perimeter players. Okay, uh, Trevor, what would your thoughts be if they took uh, Keon Johnson at twelve? Yeah, I don't know what he does on offense right now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, what does a year in Austin do for him? And are you comfortable doing that at twelve? I mean, yeah. if you really like him, then sure. But I, I, I just, I just don't know what he does on offense right now. I don't. It, it's all so raw. And again, you're talking about a guy who is six five, 
do you and he's i mean he's a he's functionally he's a shooting guard or a small forward if we're going to use those um uh labels so sure. where are you like where where are you getting him minutes if it's not austin and if that's the case like what like i just don't know what you're doing i just don't know where you're where you're fitting him in Okay, interesting. So the final player here in this segment is like in the t- 10th through like 14th range is uh, Corey Kispert, 6'7", player out of Gonzaga. This is a player, Trevor, that Ben likes to call professional shooter. Um, so yes. so he's projected to go 14th right now on our on our average selection. So Trevor, go ahead and kick off the conversation if they took Corey Kispert at 12th. Um, I like Corey Kispert. I, I, I think... He's like I, I think he is what he is. He's a professional. He's right. You're right, Ben. He's a professional shooter, and he's going to um, he's going to make every like the guys who need to get the who, with the ball in their hands better. Um, I think he's a perfect. He's going to be a perfectly fine defender. Yep. Um, I think I wouldn't be wild by the pick, but I also would just kind of be like, all right. I mean, there's probably going to be some guys who are going to go after him that end up being better players, but it's solid. Okay, Ben. Yeah, I just I think he's the fit that the Spurs need right now. They need a guy who can space the floor for everybody else, and he's a great shooter. He's he's shown that he can attack closeouts a little bit at Gonzaga, and you know I think that's something he can work on. And like you said, he'll be a serviceable defender. I think he's actually put on a little bit of weight, so he can he can hang around and bang a little bit if he needs to with some of the bigger threes. But um, you know I I've talked when I usually when I talk about him, I talk about Cam Johnson as well, and. You know, I, I will say Cam Johnson is even when he was coming out at his age and the Suns got him at 11, you know, there was a lot of talk about that's not a guy that should have gotten 11. They should have, he could have been had like 10 picks later, whatever it was, but he's earned that 11 slot. If you ask me. Yep. And um, I think Corey Kisper can do something similar. I don't think he's as good a shooter as Cam Johnson. The form's a little different, and Cam Johnson has turned into a really nice defender, actually. But if Corey Kispert can get to like, you know, maybe a step two two steps below what Cam Johnson is right now, I think it's a good pick. And like Trevor said, it's not something that might wow you, but I think it's the right pick at that fit. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, so again, these are the um, players that are currently on our Project Spurs draft board, or like in that range of twelfth uh, of right now for the Spurs. All right. So, so now, you know, I, I prepared this question for you guys a little bit earlier. You know, in our show notes, uh, it was just basically the question of like, you know, in a perfect draft, and again, re- realistically speaking, about players kind of in that twelfth range, who would be your top three picks that you want for the Spurs? Uh, let's go ahead and open up this question with Trevor first. Who, who would be your top three players uh, if, if you know if if they fell to the Spurs and they were they were available there at twelfth? Go ahead. Uh, well, I would like to reiterate my confidence uh, in Kai Jones. Okay, so Kai uh, love, Jones. love Kai. Do you think that he's just like, like you can? I think he's. I actually do think long term. He's because he's athletic enough. I think he's probably going to be a four long term. I think I know. Like if you're six ten, we just automatically say you're a, you're a five now. But I do think like he's just he's just one of those guys that can that can move around however you need him to theoretically. Um, so that's he's one. I really like Franz Wagner. Uh, ben, I don't know if we've talked about Franz Wagner offline, but I just think like it's going to have all three of my picks. I just know it. Uh, I might. Oh well, I don't know. I might go wild card on number three. But if okay, uh, if um, if you can get Franz Wagner to like a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter off the catch, or like you know, awesome curls, like nothing, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's like just going to be dynamite. He's, I think the defense is underrated. The athleticism, I seriously think that we think because he's a sophomore, even though he's only 19, and because he's white, um, we just assume that he's, <laughs> there's no athleticism there. I think he's athletic. I think he's, I think he's going to be able to defend, you know, at least two through four 
uh, in the league. And I think he's going to do it at a really high level. And he's a really good passer. I think I told someone like if he's kind of a hard guy to comp, um, but like young Boris DL, maybe like a little bit smaller, but like, mm-hmm. that's, that's what he reminds me of. And then three ooh, is, is James Booknight too high for, for us <laughs> to say that's a realistic spot at 12. <sighs> I mean, maybe, but yeah, you're right. He's he's just really tough. gone up the boards right now. Oh, he's actually he's going to be on our next uh, conversation here. He's he's ninth right now, projected. But oh, yeah, if James Booknight falls. I he that's another one. Like I don't know where you yeah. I don't know where you play him, but I actually think like he's just like I don't know. Like again, like and maybe this is just recency bias of watching the finals and watching uh, six five guys, six four six five guys who can create their own shot just figure it out. So like Devin Booker figured it out. Um, Chris Middleton's bigger figured it out. Um, you know, so maybe maybe I'm just letting what, what I saw in the playoffs, uh, yeah, you know, it really influence my brain. But um, I really like James Booknight, and um, you know, if we're saying he's too high, then I, I actually I do think Josh Giddy is a good he's a good fit because I do think there's enough upside there that you can say like, all right, you're gonna be you're gonna be our ninth man for right now, but let's see let's see what we can do with this. Okay, so so you say uh, you know Kai Jones, uh, uh, you said uh, uh, um, oh, what's Franz Wagner? Franz Wagner, and then um, yeah, and then uh, and then uh, James Booknight or, or Josh Giddy. Again, the last three the last three players you mentioned there, those we have to see if they even fall to twelve because right I was now gonna say, it, the Booknight just depends because like I could absolutely see mm-hmm. Booknight going six or seven. Yeah, so so yeah, those three players, but, but aside from from Kai Jones, the other ones aren't safe that they would even be there at twelve. Uh, ben, what, who would your top three players be if uh, you know they're available at twelve? Um, James Booknight is not one of mine, but um, I have seen him mocked to the Magic in quite a few drafts, actually, mm-hmm. for what that's worth at eight after they take Scotty Barnes at five, which would be quite the combo if you ask me. But it's okay. The Magic are going to find a way to screw it up like they do every year. That's, you know, nothing new. Someone, as someone who grew up in Orlando, this is what I know now. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think my top three for the Spurs, Kai Jones, like Trevor said, Franz Wagner, absolutely, if he falls there. And I really, I really am high on Corey Kispert. Like it's, it's okay. weird. Like if they, if they pick him, I'm not going to be like over the moon. I'm not going to be jumping up and down in my living room, but I'll be like, yes, I okay. think they made a good choice. This is a solid choice. I'm happy with this pick. So that's what that is for me. And like Kai Jones, you know, like we discussed, if you pick a Kai Jones, like, all right, great. They're taking a risk. They're swinging for the fences. This is nice. And then I think Franz Wagner is kind of your very, very safe pick. Like Trevor said, he is versatile on defense. He is a good shooter, although I would like to see if he's a good shooter on much more volume because he didn't take a whole lot of threes at Michigan. But he is younger than people realize, and he he probably has a better basketball pedigree than people realize. He is the brother of Mo Wagner, who is currently in the NBA. So he, he may have a better idea of what the NBA life is like than some of these other prospects. Okay, so so again, those are those are Ben's top three players right there as well. Um, so so again, those are those are again in the in the perfect scenario who, who they would want a uh, Trevor and Ben. Let's go to now just a quickly a, a kind of a hypothetical kind of question here, and this is what if the Spurs were to try to trade for ninth or tenth to move up just a little bit, and is it is it even worth doing? So the reason why I bring this up is because um you know with the, all the cap space the Spurs are going to have, they're they're in position to take uh, some of these contracts that some players are that some teams are trying to get rid of uh, along with their picks. So uh, Woj uh, recently mentioned that New Orleans is trying to move Eric Bledsoe. Or 
or even Steven Adams uh, with the 10th pick, um, you know, to try to preserve some cast space so they could tr- try to make a run at free agents. Uh, and then he also reported just uh, Sunday that, um, you know, the Kings that might be willing to look at moving ninth along with either Buddy Heald, um, who has $22.7 million this coming season, plus two more years on his contract, or Marvin Bagley the third, who's making $11 million right now uh, in this coming season, but then he's going to be a restricted free agent next offseason. So, um, and again, the, the, the Spurs would be able to do this. And if they took, you know, Bledsoe or, or Bagley, and then they also got the ninth or 10th pick, well, then they could still have a pretty good amount of cap space. Like, let's just say they want to throw an offer sheet to John Collins. That's still very doable. If they did, if they did decide to take healed though, that, that makes it tougher. They probably want to be able to, in the John Collins sweepstakes anymore to try to send him an offer sheet. So I guess uh, let's start off with Trevor here. Is it even worth, um, you know, the Spurs even looking to move up to ninth or 10th um, at, or, or, or just kind of staying pat at 12? What, what are your thoughts there? So when you, so, okay. So are we saying they would flip 12, 410 plus Eric Bledsoe, or are we saying they would just trade for 10 and Eric Bledsoe? No, I think just trade for 10 and Eric Bledsoe. Like taking hmm. the, 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 uh, your help. So for New Orleans' case, you're helping yeah. them just open cap space. Sure. However, Sacramento, I don't even think, no, I don't even know if Sacramento would do these mm-hmm. deals just because, again, they haven't really been talking about what Sacramento exactly wants to do. But I just right. heard Woj mention that they're looking at moving 10. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, Buddy Heald or Marvin Bagley are the players. Go ahead. And, so, and also the Kings are inept, but go on. <laughs> yeah. So I think so. I think I would do that Bledsoe deal because I thought that he had four years left on his contract, but it's this coming year and then a three million dollar guarantee the next mm-hmm. year, and like that's like I don't know, like especially like because you're right, like you could still do Collins or Jared Allen or mm-hmm. name a big guy that you would want to throw an offer sheet at, and then you pretty much just can roll some cap space the next summer, which isn't terrible. So yeah, I think actually, I actually think I would do that because then yeah, like you could get. Gideon and Kai Jones, you could get Franz Wagner and Corey mm-hmm. Fisper. You could like whatever, whatever you want. Like it just opens up the possibilities. Um, you know, maybe I would try to get one of those Lakers swaps or like just like get like something else because the Pelicans have a decent amount of picks. But maybe that's being greedy. Um, like you know, with, with the Kings, I don't know. Like I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what the Kings might be wanting to do. They might be interested in a. Uh, in some Jakob Pertl action because they think they're going to lose Rashawn Holmes. And oh, they, I think they, they are for sure. Not, they do not have a, a backup center in place. And I don't think like um, as much as I like Shingun, like I don't think with everything else that the Kings don't do on defense, like that's not the answer. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I, I would be, I would, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm an open book on the Spurs offseason. Like whatever they're gonna do, aside from I don't, th- I think they know they can't just run back what they have. Yeah. Like even if they bring back tomorrow, I think like they're gonna have to make some. They're gonna have to do something else. Um, and they have the flexibility to do it. So yeah, I would do, I would do either of those, and then yeah, like I'm taking Wagner or Booknight or just or or if like if something crazy happens and Kaminga falls, I'm taking Kaminga. Like, okay. I don't think Jonathan Kaminga is going to fall past five. Seven, yeah, I was going to say five. But. Like, I don't you know, think, like, I mean, Ben, doesn't that seem like, depending on what they do at five, like, if then he just tumbles to eight, you have this extra lottery, this extra lottery ticket, basically, and you're just going to take the guy with the most upside? Yeah, but if he falls, to, but the funny thing is, if he, if he gets past the magic at five, they have a second opportunity at him at eight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, like, you get two swings at it. You might as well take the guy with the super high upside. But right, you have to. Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're the Magic, you have to. You have to really be sure that no one's going to take him at six and seven, so that you can get him slotted at eight as far yeah. as salary goes. 
um, you know, it's it's not a whole lot of difference, but it's it's enough to probably make yeah. a difference down the road. Um, something wacky happens every year, and like, yeah. Tyrese Halliburton fell to twelve last year. I thought like I was, I thought Tyrese Halliburton was going to go to the Hawks at like six, and I think Okongwu is a great pick. I loved Okongwu last year, Onyeka Okongwu, but I was like, man, like get. Get Trey Young some defensive help in the backcourt. Get an extra playmaker. Like this yeah. and then he just tumbled, and I was like, "Oh shoot!" That's uh, yeah, and that's I. That's the thing. Like with Keon Johnson, he might tumble to that Hawks range. I've seen him mock to the Hawks a few times because of yeah. his defense. Yeah, he'll he'll be able to learn some things from Trey Young probably. But, uh, as far as offense goes, long uh, short version of that answer, Paul. Yes, I would. Um, I would be open to taking some extra salary or whatever to get to get an extra lottery pick. Okay, Ben. What would your response be there if should the spur, if, if it was available the oh, opportunity? I'm sorry, I would not do Buddy Hield. That's what. That's too much oh, okay. money. Yes, okay. No, not, no money Buddy Hield. Yes, no, no offense no, to Buddy Hield. He's not. No, well, yeah, well, no to Buddy Hield only be, also because he would be incredibly well. He wouldn't be super redundant. He's probably he would probably become the best shooter on the team, but um, that's also just too many guards. You have you'd yeah. have to be giving up guards in that case too. But for me, I mean, yeah, if you're getting an extra lottery pick, absolutely do it. And I would say take on Marvin Bagley one because it's a position of need, and two, he needs a change of scenery bad. I think a change of scenery would do him a lot of good with like good real coaches. Sorry, not sorry, Sacramento, but I think him seeing how a professionals play and practice and work would be a breath of fresh air for him. And he would have a better understanding of, Oh, that's what it's going to take to really make it in this league and get my next contract. And who knows, you might find yourself a motivated Marvin Bagley. And now your, your front court problem is kind of solved, or at least you're on the way to solving it. Okay. So, so interesting. I both agree. You know, if it, I mean, probably aside from a heel, you, you, you guys would be okay with, with them moving, acquiring a player plus trying to get the ninth or 10th pick, uh, you know, with some salary there. Right. Yeah, just so keep, I, just keep your salary sheet clean for next summer. Yeah. And so again, I don't, I don't know if, if the Spurs would have to send the 12 out right now. I don't think that, because again, I think these teams are just trying to get as much cast space open as possible. So that, and so that's a, that's a situation San Antonio finds himself is, you know, they don't have to go out and sign all these players. They could actually be the team that, that teams dump salary too. So that that's going to be interesting to watch, uh, you know, this coming week uh, with, with the draft coming up. All right. So now for our final topic, let's discuss uh, the second round, just a little bit, you know, second round is really tough to, to gauge just because, you know, players are all over the map here. Um, so I just have a few players where different mocks have them. And then I'm going to tell you their average, um, you know, position, I mean, not, not position um, draft status, where they're supposed to go let's start off first with them you know uh bj boston uh he's six seven out of kentucky um he, he's he's mocked to go 38th right now so just a few picks before the spurs at 41 in the second round uh let's begin with with uh, uh ben here what would your thoughts be if they took bj boston at 40 41 i think it'd be a really nice sleeper pick especially because so many people are down on him after that horrible year at kentucky which mm-hmm. i think I, I know it's crazy to say that an entire season was a fluke but i honestly believe that that entire season for him was a fluke. I mean, it was a fluke for Kentucky. They're never going to lose that many games ever again. I guarantee that they will. That will not happen in our lifetime. Um, especially if Calipari stays for a few more. For you know, he could he could keep going forever. It's his both his greatest asset and his greatest weakness. But um, he's you know he's a guy who will never want to ever stop if he can keep going. But. To me, I mean, him coming out of high school, he was just such a smooth shooter, and he got his shot almost anywhere he wanted on the court. And I have to believe that he was held back at Kentucky 
because he was trying to play in a much more team friendly environment where, you know, he's not the foot. He doesn't have to be the focus of the offense. You have other dudes, but I, I, yeah, I mean, at 40, at 41, I don't hate that pick at all. I like that pick. And I think maybe he's a guy who spends time in the G league, but he's also kind of at that size where, you know, maybe we can use him in spot minutes here and there Mm -hmm. and, and see what he's got, see what he can give us. Okay. It depends, depends on how uh, how strong he can get, how big he can get. Yes. What amount of time? Because he's just he's just real thin right now. Like he's absolutely. Like on the Kevin Durant, like Kevin Durant rookie year, but like not six ten. He's actually six seven. You know, he could have some slim reaper in him. Yeah. So, what would your thoughts be, Trevor, if they took him at forty one? Um, I, I like even more so than what they should do at 12 at 41. It's like, man, like who, like this this was my opinion last year when they took Trey Jones, um, Trey Jones was supposed to go in like the late first round. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Like if he falls to you, just take him because that's, that's more talent than you should be able to get at 41. And that's, I feel that way about BJ Boston. Um, I feel that way about, um, I'm just, I'm going to cheat and look at Paul's list that he sent us here. I feel that way. (laughs) I'd say a Todd. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty much, I don't know. Actually, I don't know much about, uh, about the French, uh, the French <laughs> guard uh, that you have on here, uh, Beggarin, but I probably just butchered that name too. But like, yeah, like all these guys, I'm like, man, if they're there, 41, like, sure, like Isaiah Todd, Herb Jones, Herb Jones is a menace on defense. Just, just teach him some. Like, I mean, he 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 seems like a guy that will be perfectly happy to find a role and stick to it. Same with Jeremiah Robinson or all sorry, Paul, I'm just totally jumping the gun. No, that's okay. Cause actually I was going to tell, I was going to say, so let's just do a quick summary of all the players and then you guys can kind of just. And, and David Johnson, uh, Ben, back me up on David Johnson here. Like, is he just like a jumper away from being a pretty good guard? Yeah. He's, I mean, basically he's, uh, he was, and he had, he was Louisville had a weird situation too. They, they didn't really have go-to guys on offense. They were a very yeah. weird offense. I think it was the, uh, first year under a new coach. So they had some stuff they were figuring out as well, which probably hampered David Johnson at times. Cause he had, he had, that was at least his second coach that he played under at Louisville. Cause he played under um guy whose name I'm forgetting Paget, I think um, before that he was, he was there for a year after Rick Pitino retired. And then they got, he, I think he was interim and they said, ah, we'll just get a real, we'll get another coach. So he had, uh, David Johnson played under two coaches, which might have affected how he played as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's probably a consistent jumper away from being a really solid guard. He handles the ball really well for the offense. Um, he can get you into your sets. He's gonna he's gonna guard guys. He's gonna be tough. Louisville always always produces tough guards. Okay, so yeah, I'm gonna go through the list real quick, and then I'm gonna and then Ben, I'll have you just kind of give you if if there's you don't have to talk about all the players, but just specifically players that stick out to you that you, that you would be okay with the Spurs taking the 41. So so yeah, we talked about BJ Boston six seven out of Kentucky. He's average. He's projected to go 38th. Uh, Isaiah Todd six ten out of the, out of the Ignite G League team. Uh, he's projected to go 37th. We have Herb Jones six eight out of Alabama. Um, he's projected to go 40th. Yuhan uh, Berger Beggerin. I don't know if I say his name right. Six five out of Paris, uh, France. He's he's actually perfectly average to go out at 41st in the Spurs. Uh, we have Jeremy. Maya Robinson Earl, 6'9 out of Villanova, average, uh, projected to go 43rd. We have Kessler Edwards, 6'8 out of Pepperdine, uh, projected to go 47th. And then this is a late addition was David Johnson, who you, who you all just spoke about. Uh, I didn't even have time to check his other uh, draft rankings because, you know, ESPN just really released right before we recorded their latest mock draft. So, so Ben, uh, you don't have to talk about all these players, but is there anyone there that just sticks out to you at this group? 
If Jeremiah Robinson Earl or Herb Jones fall to 41, I would be ecstatic with either of those picks. Um, I wouldn't hate Kessler Edwards either. The more I watch him, the more I like him. He's he's an older guy and he's six eight, and people aren't really sure what position he plays. He's kind of a tweener, but I mean, if you get Herb Jones, you're getting a guy who can play defense on just about anybody. He's got arms for days. He's an okay shooter. He ran the offense for Alabama at times. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, you know, another classic Villanova guy, really smart player, plays hard, plays the game the right way. Um, if if he was an inch or two taller, people would probably be talking about him as a first round draft pick. Um, but he does have to shore up his three point shooting. Okay. And then, so I'm going to go back to that question from the first uh, segment here. And, and it's just basically, you know, being realistic here, who would be your perfect player at 41? Trevor, who, who would be your perfect guy if the player was um, at 41? I mean, depending on what they, they did. At 12, they don't have to be on this list, by the way. They could be. Yeah. 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 No, depending on what they did at 12, I feel like either Isaiah Todd or Jeremiah Robinson Earl, just because I feel like those are, I mean, Todd's not even that small, but like, those just feel like guys who are like maybe they're a little undersized for their position, but they just to me they just and Herb, I would throw Herb Jones in this too, but like just just guys who are going to figure it out. Like mm-hmm. they're going to find the they're going to figure it out and they're going to stick to that role. And um, yeah, I just I mean I would let's say Robinson Earl or Isaiah Todd. Let's I think I think either of those guys like just if, if they're sitting there, I don't even think twice about it. Like I'm 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 whatever whatever the version of uh taking the card up to the commissioner is uh this year i'm doing it okay all right so so ben same question to you you know it doesn't have to be a player from this list but being realistic about the 41st selection who would be your perfect player if that player was available at 41 yeah it absolutely depends on who they take at 12 i think if you take if you take a big man like if you take a kai jones at 12 i think the perfect pick is an a herb jones or a jeremiah robinson earl or if you take a shooter like a Corey Kispert, then I think you you take a swing at Isaiah Todd and and kind of say, you know what, there might be, depending on what we do in free agency, there might be opportunities for you to play right away in the NBA because, I mean, he, he already played in the G League one year. You saw what he did against other grown men. Granted, it was only 13 games, but you kind of have, uh, you have some decent data points to work with there and you can kind of figure out, all right, is this, is this guy going to be playable with, Pearl is he going to come off the bench perhaps you know what kind of what kind of players can we surround him with and, and play with them and how would they all mesh so I think I'd like Isaiah Todd if you go with a shooter at, as the 12th pick and then probably Herb Jones Jeremiah Earl Jeremiah Robinson Earl if you get a Kai Jones at 12. Okay. We so, should also so you, mention, Paul, there's a kid out of Belgium named Vrenz uh, Blindberg. Uh, yes. He's a mm-hmm. 6'10 small forward and like, like let's just throw his name out there uh he's the guy that the spurs i think like yeah they've already they they worked him out ultra-sized wing i mean you know he's 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 moving up the boards and i think i just feel like we should just say his name because otherwise we will be crushed for not saying his name (laughs) nice yeah so let's throw out um you know friend uh friends that you mentioned there who's projecting a 47th um also the uh guy at spurs uh uh, Rokus, I've seen him on some mocks. Um, Rokus Yokubetis. Uh, yeah. Ben, ben helped me say his name last time. So yeah, let's make sure we address that. And then there was they just worked out this other dude, uh, G- Georgi Bez Bezon Ishili or something. I, I can't get that name right. So anyway, yeah. So let's just make sure we cover our international case. They they take a, a second round pick on the in, in, uh, national prospects. All right. So don't forget to visit projectspurs.com. Um, Spurscast listeners. Also, uh, you know, check check out Ben's latest prospect watch as the draft approaches. The latest one was on JT Thor. Uh, ben, do you want to give the listeners just a little bit of um, uh, a summary of, of JT Thor? 
Absolutely. He is a god of thunder. Boom. Done. Nailed it. I saw that uh, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, no, no, but uh, in all honesty, he's um, still developing. He's a freshman at Auburn last year. Started to really catch on at the end of the season. He's 6'9". He's really long. Good athlete. Uh, the shot is developing. He's going to be a good defender. He is great in transition as well. So JT Thor at 41 would not upset me at all. Okay, yeah, and he's projected to go about, I see 34th here, and some mocks wow. even have him going to the first round, late first round, 29th, 30th. He, but, I will say he he did a lot of good for himself at the Combine. He tested really well, and he played well. Okay, interesting. And I, I know Josh Primo is a guy, who too, who's been kind of climbing up boards just because of how well he played yep. at the Combine. Uh, Trevor, did you have any thoughts on JT Thor? Um, not a ton. I haven't watched nearly enough of as much as I probably should, but um, mm-hmm. I do think, like, um, think – when we figured out that Marvin Williams was just kind of a three and D jumbo sized wing who could like just play some four, play some five, maybe step out and guard some three. Like it's just kind of what he reminds me of. So like, there's not like, we're probably overblowing his upside. as like a scorer and everything, but like he's probably going to do some good stuff in the league. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, so that's JT Thor that Ben uh, wrote about there um, on our Project Spurs. On um, Project Spurs, so you can check out the latest Project Watch. Um, I've continued to look at the the free agents uh, coming up. So Trey Lyles is the latest free agent for the Spurs that I wrote about. And then, of course, the uh, 2021 draft prospect boards from Project Spurs is continued to be updated anytime any kind of new mock comes out or, or report that the Spurs worked out a certain player. Uh, also, thanks again to Ben and Trevor for joining me here on the Spurs cast and to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.